Headliner Radio, the creative voice. Today we're welcoming Lainey Wilson onto the show, a country artist from Louisiana. How's it going? Hey Alice, how you doing? I'm really good. How are you? I'm good. Just having my morning coffee and getting ready for the day. I think Nashville, where I'm at right now, I think they said they were going to start opening up a few restaurants, but doing the whole, you know, like, you know, half like half the amount of people can come in and mm-hmm. still six feet apart. But I'm just like, I don't know. It's all just crazy. Are you keeping yourself busy and entertained? Can you do any music stuff? Yes, girl. So honestly, I've, I've, uh, I haven't gone too stir crazy because I have, I've been staying extremely busy. I mean, I've been writing, um, probably like every other day since I've been in quarantine, I've been writing some by myself, but also, I've had to learn to, you know, how to do the whole Zoom or mm-hmm. FaceTime right, and um, it's been great. I've really, I've gotten some really good songs. Um, it's just, you know, having to get used to this whole, this whole new <laughs> way of trying to be creative. But mm-hmm. I think we're we're figuring it out. So I've I've honestly been staying busy though. I've been doing stuff around my house, redoing my kitchen table, um, just trying to do things that. Before, I didn't have enough time to do. <laughs> I'm trying to learn how to cook, which is also a big task for me because I could mess up oh. a hot pocket and the cereal. <laughs> <laughs> what have you been making then? Um, let's see. I've been making some really good chicken tacos. Nice. Um, I've, been, I've been mastering the grill. Uh, I made some, some bacon deer wrap mm-hmm. and some good mashed potatoes. Ooh, I'm just, nice. yeah, I'm just making sure I stay fed. <laughs> good, good. Good to hear it. Okay, so for any of our listeners, just for a bit of background on you, um, obviously you've spent years honing your songwriting craft um, since you were a girl. You're from Louisiana and you've, you're from a really musical family, aren't you? So your dad played the guitar and your mum loved to dance. Your grandparents took you yeah. to, you know, bluegrass festivals and everything. So it sounds like music's really been just a part of your life since forever, really. Yes, it has. Um, from a very early age, I mean, Music was more than just, it was it was literally like a part of our family. I mean, it's what we would talk about. It's what we listened to going down the road in the truck. Um, you know, what my daddy would crank up on the tractor when he was farming. What my mama would dance to. I mean, it's just been a huge, huge part of my life. I got to, uh, the first time I got to actually, you know, sing out in public was my kindergarten graduation. And I sang Butterfly Kisses. And. I just knew it made me feel alive, and I wanted to figure out how to, you know, do it. So I wrote my first song at nine years old, mm-hmm. and it just never stopped. Honestly, like I, I wrote a song called "Lucky Me," and it was kind of like a little Britney Spears type song, and I brought it to my mama, and I said, "Mama, I wrote this brand new song. You got to hear it." And, uh, and she was like, "What in the world?" And I sang it to her, and she was like, "Dang, you know, that's not that's not too bad." And then. A week later, I came back with another one, and I think she had thought, you know, it's just going to be just a one-and-done kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But I brought her another one, and she was like, all right, you know, maybe she's got the songwriting bug. So on my on my mama's side, um, her dad was super poetic and um, just kind of witty. And he never wrote songs, but he would come up with little sayings and stuff. So I think that's kind of where I got that. But, um, yeah, my daddy played guitar. He taught me a few chords. and then that just kind of, you know, helped my songwriting. It mm. just um, took it to another level. And it's one of those things that 
I honestly feel like I had no choice but to do it. You know, it was was just a part of who I was. And it kind of tracked me down and said, no, you know, you're going to do this. So um, it has saved my life for sure. Can you remember the first song that you wrote and how it goes? Is it still fresh in the yes. memory? Oh, you, you can. Want, you want okay. me to <laughs> oh, only if you want it. to. No pressure. I was just curious, obviously, because you were no. nine. So I was thinking well, it might be some distant memory. <laughs> <laughs> just keep in mind, I've had half a cup of coffee this morning. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's a little, it's a little bop. I mean, it's kind of like a Britney Spears little song, like oh. I said, but it goes like it's called Lucky Me. Mm-hmm. And I'll just sing a little snippet of it. Okay. <laughs> it goes, Lucky Me. I feel free, and I can't deny that he loves me. Bitch, I know that he does, so he is the one. Lucky me, oh, I said, oh, I'm the one for him, and he's the one for me, baby. I love to see his face. It's not a big disgrace, so lucky me, lucky me. Nine years old, right there. (laughs) Nine years old. That's better than some of the shit that's in the charts now. <laughs> I, I like think I might you can need remember to pull it. Back out and rewrite it. Yeah, do a remix. <laughs> no, not a remix. Yep. It's perfect how it is. Actually, that was patronising to the original. Not a remix. Just a <laughs> a refresh, maybe. I love it. <laughs> and I read that you did um, at one point. I guess you were still a child or maybe a teenager. A stint as a Hannah Montana impersonator at children's birthday parties. So how did you get into that? And what was that like? Yeah, girl. So. My eighth grade teacher, um, her daughter was having, I believe it was her 10th birthday, and she thought I kind of resembled Miley Cyrus, I guess, and, and she was like, Laney, if I buy you a wig, will you just kind of show up to my little girl's birthday party and, you know, be Hannah Montana? And, well, of course, I took it, you know, a step further, and I already had a portable sound system because I used to go around to nursing homes and anywhere and everywhere just to sing, and um, I bought the Hannah Montana karaoke track. And I learned all 15 songs on there. And I actually brought my little portable sound system, set it up, and put on a show. And then it spread like wildfire. And literally for the next five years. Um, So it was like eighth grade all the way through high school. I would do fairs, birthday parties, uh, festivals, um, even nursing homes. I did St. Jude here in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, It was... It was crazy, and sometimes Lainey Wilson would open up the show for Hannah Montana. Of course. But um, it, I'm telling you, girl, it was a grind. You know, like all my friends were, were going to football games and, and having the whole high school experience and whatnot, and um, I was hauling around my, my karaoke machine <laughs> making some money. <laughs> at least you were making money, and everyone else was probably working in McDonald's or something, so at least your job was fun. And I was making a heck of a lot more money then than now. It was crazy what these people would pay for <laughs> Hannah Montana to come to the party. <laughs> I think you found your niche early on. I mean, great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, <laughs> you moved to Nashville and um, you lived in a camper outside of a family friend's recording studio for three years. And then yep. that enabled you to meet, I guess, loads of songwriters and find your own voice as a singer and a songwriter. So tell us about that time. Like, how did you end up living in this yeah. camper and what was that like? Yeah, so I knew I wanted to be in Nashville and I knew it was kind of one of those like out of sight, out of mind things. And I needed to figure out, you know, how I was going to, get there and afford to stay there well um thank goodness I, I knew one guy who was from my hometown my hometown is literally population 300 
Mm-hmm. And um, so I'm not sure how two people out of the 300 ended up wanting to be in Nashville and do music, but it happened. <laughs> he was um, kind of like, he was my role model, I guess you could say, like my mentor. He, uh, back in the day, he taught my daddy how to play guitar and everything. So um, I knew I wanted to be in Nashville. And every time that he, he would come home, his name was Jerry Cupid. Every time that he would come home to Louisiana, he would stop by my house and listen to my songs and kind of critique my writing and, and tell me what to do, what not to do. And, um, yeah, just kind of like, you know, guiding me, helping my every step. So when I was 19 years old, I finally decided, all right, it's time to, you know, it's time to make the move. So, um, my parents helped me get a flag staff on the pool camper trailer and I hauled it to Nashville and Jerry keep it. Let me live in his, studio parking lot in Nashville for free for about three years. But it's crazy how, um, it's crazy kind of how the story goes because back in the late seventies, my grandpa, he, uh, my daddy's daddy actually gave Jerry a few hundred dollars to just kind of help him, you know, move to Nashville and get started. So as a favor in return, he, you know, basically let me live in his studio parking lot for free. And were you actually in the studio a lot? Did you get to spend a lot of time in there? Yeah, so Jerry was my producer at the time, and we wrote over probably, within a three-year time frame, we wrote probably 300-plus songs together. And, um, yeah, he was like, he was my guy, you know. He was my one of my best friends. He was like another daddy to me. And, um, yeah, I got to go in there and use the studio a lot. He produced some stuff on me, but then... He uh, all of a sudden got super sick and ended up passing away. And that's when I decided, you know, all right, well, I'm not leaving Nashville, um, but I need to sell my camper and, and figure out my next step. So it's been a it's been a very long journey. I've been in Nashville now for nine years and um, you had some hard, hard times in that camper trailer. I mean, the, <laughs> mm-hmm. the weather would get bad and I thought I was going to blow away, but I'm here. I'm all right. Still. But yeah. That was a good representation of what it was honestly going to be like because nothing about this has been easy. I mean, yes, it's been, it's fun and it's exciting and whatever, but um, it's it's just it's hard, just like anything, you know, just mm-hmm. like any dream, chasing any dream. And how do you think your experiences have shaped your songwriting? Do you think that in particular hard times, like you say, do shape better songs sometimes, you know, especially country, yes. a lot of it comes from pain. I'm not, we're not saying we want the artist to have yep. gone through something, but it, it can't hurt, can it, lend a little bit of authenticity to it, I suppose? Absolutely. No, I, um, I feel like, you know, for me, I feel like every song that I write, gets a little bit better and a little more raw and a little more real and um I feel like as things you know happen in life um I'm able to you know process it a little better and it helps me it's like it's literally like therapy for me I mean you know if something happens in my life or whatever I just need to put it down on a piece of paper and it's also cool to be able to walk into a room with other songwriters here in Nashville and hear their stories and hear um you know, what they're going through or, or somebody that they know is going through this and whatever. And, and you can put yourself into the shoes of that other person and um, and just kind of feel for them, you know. And um, it's I absolutely think that, you know, hard times make good songs. <laughs> okay. So that's why, um, you know, I'm a little okay with the hard times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look at Adele. 
I know. <laughs> <laughs> she just You're keeps on going so through right. hard times and keeps on bringing out those tunes. Yeah. And um, yeah, I'm happy to say, obviously, it hasn't all been hard times. So you had your EP, Redneck Hollywood, which you've said um, it kind of represents a bit of who you are, what you've overcome, you know, where you grew up redneck, I guess is a word. It's a kind of an insult, but it's one that you also use to describe yourself. So what's that yep. like then? Yeah, so like I was saying earlier, I'm from a town of about 300 people and in northeast Louisiana where we don't even have a stoplight. We have a caution light, some dirt roads, and a lot of cornfields, mm-hmm. and that's about it. And redneck has always been a word that we used to call each other and ourselves, and it was never a you know a negative term. It was just we're proud to be a redneck. And to me, a redneck is somebody who likes to have a good time but also is a hard-working um, a hardworking person. So, and um, yeah, just kind of lives that, you know, country life. And so when we got ready to, you know, do the EP and everything, I thought, well, dang, you know, Redneck Hollywood, that, that perfectly describes who I am and, and what I'm trying to say. And because I've always, even though I grew up that way, you know, in a very small, tiny town, you know, full of a bunch of rednecks, I've always been the kind of girl to, have stars in my eyes and I knew that I wanted to go and see and experience things and meet people and um dream about going to Hollywood and uh and so those two words are you know pretty opposite from each other but uh two words that I feel like explain my life and so going from such a small town was was, it's called Baskin by the way I feel like I saw that earlier Yes, Baskin. Which now I feel like is, you know, synonymous with Carol Baskin, if you've seen the Tiger documentary. <laughs> Carol, Carol Baskin. Anyway, moving on from her. She totally did it, by the way. Anyway, so was it like moving from Baskin to, you know, such a huge place with all of these, you know, stars and opportunities? What was it like? Girl, I was, to be honest with you, I was in culture shock. I yeah. mean, um, whoo, man, I, I think when I first got here, you know, I knew that I needed to go out and I needed to meet people and I needed to shake hands and basically run for mayor and, you know, just be nice to everybody. But there was a lot more to it than I even realized. And it's just been, it's just been brick, you know, brick by brick, you know, just relationship, you know, by relationship and just being friends with everybody. But it's, um, I feel like I have taken a lot of, um, my hometown with me, you know, a lot of like what I've learned from my parents Mm -hmm. and, um, it's crazy because, so my daddy's a farmer. He farms corn, wheat, soybeans, oats. And um, I, I compare, you know, that lifestyle a lot to the music industry. And it's pretty crazy how it goes hand in hand because, I mean, you literally, you get up every single morning. You do the same thing. You uh, you water your, your crop. You water your plants. And it's the same kind of thing with songwriting. You get up, you do it every single day. Some years you have great years. Some years you have bad years. But you keep pushing through. If it's your livelihood and it's the only thing that you know, then um, you have to do it every single day. So it is pretty crazy how even though these two worlds are so opposite from each other, there are a lot of things that still go hand in hand. Mm. And do you get to, like under usual circumstances, do you get to go back home a lot? This quarantine has allowed me to... You know, I took a trip down there and I got to go see my, my nephew. He's about to be a year old and um, I don't get to see him a whole lot. I don't get to go down there unless I'm, I'm playing shows or maybe Christmas or Thanksgiving. But um, 
I do miss them. I miss, you know, I miss that lifestyle and I'm hoping that, that one day I can, uh, you know, have a place down there and it's, it'll always be home. You know, Nashville has, has brought me so, you know, so many awesome people and, and my job, but, um, Louisiana will always be home for sure. Yeah, of course. And, um, I know one of your tracks is WW. DD, which is um, what would yep. Dolly Parton do? Oh, sorry, what would Dolly do, should I say? Um, no second name <laughs> needed. Um, <laughs> so let's just play a little bit of this, then we can chat about this after. So, you know, besides the obvious, what's the inspiration behind this track? Honestly, I don't know anybody who doesn't love Dolly. Of course. I mean, all around the entire world. Everything from her style, her look, her personality, her songwriting, how she's an incredible businesswoman. I mean, the woman owns a dang amusement park here in Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Um, she's an incredible businesswoman. And, man, she... Just a few weeks ago, she donated a million dollars to Vanderbilt Hospital here in Nashville for uh, the coronavirus research. And that right there just shows, you know, she just got such a giving heart. Oh, my God. And um, I haven't met her just yet, but I'm so excited to meet her. And honestly, when I'm just going through things in life and I just don't know what the heck to do, you know, a lot of the times I just ask myself, what would Dolly do? So that's... uh. Yeah, that's just kind of, it's, it's one of my same songs, you know, like, how do you get through things in life? How do you get through this quarantine? What would Dolly do? <laughs> and what do you think but Dolly would do? With, what is she doing at the moment? Who knows? You know, I know she's uh, she's reading a lot of books to children online. She's putting up, you know, like inspirational little sayings. And uh, I think she's just trying to keep everybody really hopeful and, um, and positive. And I don't expect anything less from Dolly. Yeah, what a woman. And has she always been a huge yep. inspiration and hero to you? She has. She has. I, you know, I remember being a little girl and just loving her to death and, and wanting to be like Dolly Parton. And um, I think the first song I heard of hers was maybe 9 to 5. And, you know, I dug into her music more. And the more you dig, the more you love it. Mm-hmm. She's just, there's something about her. It is a light that you can't even explain it. Um and I feel like if if we had more people like Dolly in the world, the world would be a lot, a lot better. Mm-hmm. And um, so I think we should all try to be a little bit more like Dolly. <laughs> yeah, couldn't hurt, could it? And have you ever been to her amusement park? I have. I, my parents took me on a family vacation when I was nine years old. This is a crazy story. They took us to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge here in uh, in Tennessee, and I got to go to the amusement park and, and do all that fun stuff. And I begged my daddy on the way home to Louisiana to just, uh, to just drive through Nashville. And he did. And, um, after, you know, hours of begging, just come on, daddy, just drive through there. But I remember it's so crazy. I remember exactly where I was on the interstate 
in the backseat at nine years old. I was staring at the Batman building downtown Nashville. And I remember saying, this is home. Mm. And my mama turned around to the back seat and she's like, Lane, you don't say that. You're my baby. But to be honest with you, I've just, I've always known, I've always known that Nashville is where I'm supposed to be. I just, you know, needed to figure out how to, how to get here. So even from a very early age, I knew that this is where I'm supposed to be. And but, um, obviously Nashville has a huge and amazing music scene as well. So it's not even, it's not a poor choice, is it? Like, oh, I had to settle for Nashville. It's, it's so incredible there. Yeah. Awesome. And now this is your new song, Rolling Stone. So let's have a little bit of a listen to this and then chat about the inspiration behind this one. this one sounds a bit more you know serious and got a bit more to it it sounds like it's probably got something you know a real life story behind it is that accurate in saying so yeah so um we put out wwd last month and this month we did rolling stone which i'm so proud of it has been a song that i've been sitting on for a very long time i want to share with y'all and finally got the chance but so jay joyce produced them and um I wrote it with Brent Anderson and Tammy Kidd, and it's a crazy story, kind of how like the song got that wrote and everything. Um, I go in there to write with them. This is the first time that I had the opportunity to write with them. They're two incredible songwriters here in Nashville, and I was just fortunate to be, you know, sitting in the same room as them. And Brent starts playing this this little, you know, guitar lick, and and I was like, man, this feels a little bit, you know, like like a little bit of a rambler free-spirited kind of song and and he said you know um what about something like don't give a rock to a rolling stone and i was like uh that's absolutely it but a couple months before that i remember leaving downtown nashville heading back home i live in a little town called goodlettsville north of nashville and i remember getting off on my exit and having this overwhelming feeling of just the words rolling stone and um at the, at the time, I didn't know what the hell. I was like, why am I Why am I thinking of these words, Rolling Stone? I have no clue what it even means, but I guess I need to remember it. It might be the Holy Spirit. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's so crazy how I feel like the song was honestly already written before it was wrote. Mm. What about in terms of the lyrics and the kind, the kind of meaning of the song? Yeah, so like I was you know, telling you earlier, I've always been that girl who just, have stars in my eyes and and want to go and experience and see things and do things and um I feel like a lot of people like especially like-minded people that are here in Nashville writing songs you know kind of moved here for the same exact reason and I think that's why Brent Tammy and I could all relate you know about this but um I knew that when I made the official move from Baskin to Nashville that I was going to have to let certain things go and um that meant letting go of the only thing I knew, which was my hometown. Um, 
is just, you know, a few miles wide. <laughs> but I also knew that it meant that I was probably going to have to let go of certain people. And um, at the time, I had been in a childhood relationship. Literally, I dated the same guy for seven years. Oh, wow. And, um, yes, he was just my childhood sweetheart. And when I finally decided to make the decision to uh, to move to Nashville, I was like, all right, well, I, I feel a little held back. So I'm just going to have to cut these ties and, and go on with it. So that's kind of where we got the inspiration, you know, and the storyline behind the song. It comes from a real place of real inspiration, yep. doesn't it? It sure does. When you look back so far and everything you've achieved coming from such a small town, is there a moment where you pinch yourself and think, oh, my God, I can't believe I've got to do this already or that I've, you know, done this song or whatever? Yes. Um, in a weird kind of way, I've always felt like I was going to have the opportunities that I've always dreamed about. Um, but when I actually get to do them, it is kind of crazy. Like, I got to play the Grand Ole Opry on Valentine's Day this year. Wow. And um, it was one of those moments for sure that I was like, what am I doing? I remember being a little girl. And I remember exactly where I was sitting on the pew at the Grand Ole Opry. It was when my parents brought me to Nashville for the first time. And I remember seeing little Jimmy Dickens, um, Crystal Gale, Phil Vassar, Bill Anderson. I remember just sitting there and thinking that I was going to have that opportunity one day or just dreaming about that opportunity. And here I was standing on the stage in the middle of that circle and thinking, golly, like, I'm here. It, it seems like forever ago, but it also seems like yesterday. Mm. And um, I've seen from your social media, apart from being obviously really interested in music and obviously that whole side of things, you're also very, very passionate about crawfish. Now, is this, <laughs> you've got a lot of videos and photos about this. I mean, is it not as good in Nashville? Are you really missing it? Like, what is the deal with this crawfish? You know, I have to give it to my Louisiana people. They they're the ones that have it mastered. You know, yeah. they know what they're doing. These Cajun people, you know, they they have it down, mm-hmm. <laughs> down to an <laughs> art. Um, yeah, I literally will make a special trip home to Louisiana just to go get crawfish. My family thinks I'm coming home to see them, but it's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. You know, I guess, I guess the reason I'm a little, you know, snobby about it, you know, in Nashville is because we're pretty landlocked here. Mm. And, um, <laughs> but in Louisiana, I'm telling you, those people, they know how to do it up good. And it's not just about the taste. It's about the experience and, you know, and sitting around a, a big old cooler full of crawfish and, and drinking a beer and, and talking to your family members and just getting filthy. And it sounds terrible, but it's awesome. <laughs> no, it sounds amazing. Especially now where none of us can see any of our family and eat anything, let alone You're delicious right. crawfish. <laughs> <laughs> So what about um, in terms of, I know your plans may have been a bit, you know, pressed on pause because of the lockdown and everything, um, like upcoming projects or are you going to continue with this single a month thing or have you got maybe something else planned for whenever yeah. things return to normal? Yeah, so, you know, um, we have planned on putting a song out a month and this whole quarantine thing has kind of, you know, made things a little difficult. Like, you know, normally we'd get together with our entire team and our um, our creative side and, you know, get together and, and do videos and, and you make sure, you know, the rollout is great. But um, I think we are going to have to just kind of, you know, take a step back and just put one foot in front of the other right now and figure out exactly what our next step is but mm-hmm. or when these songs are coming out. But they are coming out. Um, just trying to, 
navigate it as we go, girl. This is crazy. <laughs> yep, it is damn crazy. You're right. But, you know, we'll kind of see what happens. We'll hopefully, you know, we'll see the other side, see what music's going on then, and we'll just kind of take each day as it comes. Yeah. My thing is I'm just like, you know, the world needs music, so let's keep cranking it out there. And um, mm. people are at home more than ever, like ever, ever. And I just, you know, I just want to keep putting my heart out there and and maybe it'll help somebody or make them happy or just feel something because I think right now we all just want to feel something. <laughs> yeah, and I think, like you say, everyone's turning to entertainment now, aren't they? Because it's all we've got, like watching films or Netflix or listening to music, putting records on. It's a nice kind yep. of escape, really, isn't it? Yep, it sure is. Okay, well, thank you so much for joining us on Headliner Radio today. We really appreciate it. And um, Thank you so hope- much, girl. Oh, you are so welcome. I really want to try crawfish now the proper way. Um, <laughs> going to have to make a mission to do that as well as hopefully keep up with all your upcoming music in the future. Absolutely. You'll have to come to Louisiana and we'll have to teach you how to do it, girl. I would absolutely love that. Um, you might regret offering <laughs> that to me. But um, yes, okay, well, I definitely hope I speak to you soon and, you know, yeah. just... Keep going, keep positive, and it was absolutely amazing to speak to you. You too, Alice. I appreciate you so much. Oh, Stay you safe. Too. Thank you. You too. Headliner Radio, supporting the creative community.